0: Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown Patrick Mahomes with a rope, this one
1: and welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I will be joined on today's edition of the podcast by Sean Siegel as always and we'll also be joined by Blair Andrews one of the co-owners at Rotoviz. We are going to be talking to Blair in this draft as we have been if you've heard the first two editions we've been drafting in the FFPC Best Ball Tournament $125 tournament with a $100,000 top prize. Hopefully we're heading on our way in the middle of this building the roster, do you think it has a chance at winning that top prize? Uh, let me know over at Overtime Ireland if you do or don't believe that is the case. But on today's show, we will be continuing that final stanza of the draft be picking up those late round targets. We'll be seeing who we can get to seal this team and get it ready for success this season. So we'll be on the draft board. Just before we do that, I want to let you know as always, as a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% of a Rotoviz NFL pass. All you have to do is add the code RBRadio2021 at checkout. That gets you access to all of the content, all of the tools up on the roadoviz.com website so don't miss out on that save yourself 10 that is rb radio 2021 let's jump straight into it let's get back to the draft and uh, keep that clock ticking and the other player that i the only the wide receiver in that range that i might have went um and that last pick over david johnson would have been uh bateman um i know we talked earlier about marquise brown but any interest in him this season
2: for sure, uh, it's very, it's pretty rare you get a, a first round receiver, um, rookie receiver this late in drafts. So, you know, I mean, this is about where Justin Jefferson was going last year, and obviously, I'm not saying Bateman Bateman is going to do what Jefferson did, but um, when these guys are going way later in uh, in fantasy drafts than you would expect based on their their reality draft position, I think that's something to pay attention to.
1: Yeah, at the, minute, at the minute it just feels it feels too late for me based on on where he went in terms of NFL draft capital. I don't know who's filling up this queue, but
2: if somebody could make a case for Emmanuel Sanders as our our top player on the board, I'd like to hear that.
1: I think Sean I think Sean added him in. I have drafted Sanders, too. I'll hold my hands up. Um, I don't so where
3: I wanted your take on this as it fits within your research, that after the top 100, we actually really want to be looking at these veteran wide receivers. Gabriel Davis, very efficient last season. He looks like the breakout guy. He looks like the guy who could be the other star with Diggs in this offense but they do add Sanders. Sanders has been decent, but probably a little bit, you know, overrated the last several years. And yet the reports coming out of Buffalo is that he is going to be a huge part of the offense and could bounce back to this monster season. So we have sort of these contrasting and really conflicting uh, sort of viewpoints on this. Are, Are you taking any Sanders?
2: i haven't been taking any sanders but i do understand the argument for him and i think right in this offense you know if there wasn't so much weird stuff going on with beasley i think that he would be a pretty intriguing target just because he was getting some volume um so if sanders is going to have that sort of role or even a possibly bigger role then i think that makes sense um but I mean, that said, it's <laughs> it's still hard for me to actually click on their names when I'm in a draft. You know, like I think uh, someone like Sterling Shepherd fits that mold really well this year. Someone who is being undervalued and probably gets a lot of value or gets a lot of volume and uh, returns a, a good win rate. Um, but still, I have not been drafting a lot of him. So, and I'm, I'm having. I'm having a hard time even following my own advice.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's difficult advice to follow because it's not very fun. And so, you know, we're, we're looking at these guys that we think could have bigger seasons. One of the things for me with Sterling Shepherd is I just don't see any way that he could have a big season. And and that does factor in for me, even though when he's actually been healthy in the past, his win rates have been good, right? I mean, he, he delivers the kind of production you need from the slots he is drafted out of. I, I could see Emmanuel Sanders having a huge season, even though I have always been someone who didn't draft him, didn't necessarily care for him. He snubbed the Chiefs back in the day. Uh, he was one of those sort of Peyton Manning breakouts, but yeah, we can't we can't say that it's all on Manning. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders, after he busted with the Steelers, has been a good player, and so. You know, if, if we were to look for this upside scenario late, I mean, if he ends up being the guy who is the clear number two and Beasley and Gabriel Davis are de emphasized, there could be a big season there. But it's almost one of those things where if Emmanuel Sanders really does have an impact, then maybe you're looking at those three guys wiping each other out.
1: Yeah. And even if we look back to last year, I, I, and I know he's not going to play the same role that John Brown played, but, you know, John Brown had a significant enough impact that we could play him in weekly fantasy last year so you know if Sanders does along the same lines this year and potentially more I think I think that offense is going to score a lot of points um and you mentioned Blair the situation with Beasley like who knows what'll play out in that before the start of the season so um I think I think Sanders could be interesting um and and those teams that I, I'm quite happy when I'm taking those running backs and that kind of 9 10 11 12 range um he is somebody that I tend to and those drafts come back to there's a there's a couple of those guys in that range that I I tend to end up drafting and that's uh, their picks that aren't very exciting but they their picks I think could prove significant at the the end of the season and um, we are but eight picks away from from our next our next two selections Um, where are we where are we starting to point here Um, there's a couple of um interesting kind of running back options i suppose we could say still still here on the board who are probably going to be the majority of the options or is there any um wide receivers you mentioned rager earlier obviously the week 14 by as well but is there any other options in here that uh, that you'd be targeting uh, blair yeah well
2: uh bateman is still on the board so he is uh definitely interesting um might be a little bit early for a guy like Darrington Evans, but um, he's someone I'm trying to get on a lot of teams this year.
3: Uh... One other thing to consider on Bateman is that both of our quarterbacks play against Bateman during the fantasy playoffs. And so if we're hoping for those games to be shootouts, then having some exposure to a Ravens player who would come back against that would be something. Now we do have Mark Andrews, so we're already set up there. It's a matter of if we think that those games can sustain more or just, it would help to have even a little bit more exposure. Uh, Another team that potentially would factor in there to try and get through week 14 is the Chicago bears, but the bears simply don't have guys that you can really draft at this level.
1: Yeah, I think I I thought i'll be honest he was somebody i mentioned i may have reached for at the last pick so i have neither a user against it and he does last through these next couple of picks i think i would lean to bitman as that first option i'm sure he's going to go off the board here soon <laughs> though, but uh. 13 11
2: is listening in
3: so blair the the top guy in terms of running back adp right now is devin singletary Uh, We've been starting to attack him a little bit more as the sort of whispers about Moss's health have started to come out. And Singletary has finally generated some very positive press from the bills. Now, some of that may just be to cover over the fact that they didn't address the position. They may not have Moss. They do want to talk up the guy that they do have there, but when we look at Singletary's career, how explosive he was in college, how explosive he was as a rookie. And then last season, things just really not fitting, you know, the 2020 season might be the season we say that, okay, well, that's the one that doesn't fit right. The rest of the seasons more are what we think he is as a player. Do you like either the the Buffalo running backs and are you pulled in by Singletary being (laughs) a lot cheaper than Moss and healthier?
2: Um, I do I do like the Buffalo running backs I like Moss and I mean Singletary is definitely interesting Um, I'm not opposed to taking him at this at this range Uh, yeah I like both of those guys I even like Matt Breida so I'm I'm a little bit torn on how how best to play the the Bills backfield
1: um, obviously, um, I did laugh there a second ago. <laughs> Bitman did did get selected as well. So, Sean, I'll let you take the wheel here. Um, uh, is is Singletary where we're where we're going to look for this first pick?
3: I believe so. Yeah, I'm and good with Singletary. When we move off of him to the next pick, one of the things to consider yeah,
0: cool
3: a little bit about both Hubbard and Evans both picks I like both picks I think could be absolute home runs those guys also have week 13 buys now that's separate from the wide receiver week 13 by issue but we're going to be really looking at the running back position to carry us in the flex that week and so as we look at that that may come into play in terms of how you know we want to draft our running backs as well
1: yeah, the other running back I would pop into the mix would be Bernard, Um, if we were looking to avoid the week 13. Um, we have 20 seconds left, so I'm going to put Blair on the spot. You can make the pick. <laughs>
2: All right, well, Bernard gives us some exposure to Brady, who we kind of were almost about to pick. So I'm, I think that's pretty interesting.
1: What do you think, Sean?
3: Yeah, let's do uh, Bernard there. He was not going to come back around, or at least he has... You know, almost a, a full round higher ADP than the other two guys. I think once we have him in Toe, if we then do decide to go back with a week thirteen buy, uh, we have more flexibility to do that after we've addressed it with one more very solid player who fits what we want in having that receiving back to provide. I mean, we talk about receiving backs providing a weekly floor. It's not really that. It's that the receiving touches allow them to actually score points in a way that you can use them you know, very effectively for fantasy. And in best ball, obviously we don't have to pick the week that maybe you are trailing and game script forces you into these good points. So I think that the Bernard probably I mean his real value is probably around round ten. And so to get him here, I think is a good value for us.
1: Yeah. And even at that like probably two months ago, he I remember I think it was when we might have been with John Daigle on Sean he was kind of going or it might have been Denny I'm not sure which one of them was he was kind of going in that 18 to 20 range at that point like he has come up a good bit but I still think that he's evaluated his current spot I think at this point now we're are we sticking to the two tight ends and two quarterbacks and filling it out with wide receivers and running backs
2: I'd be okay with another tight end probably and I think the next few picks I want to I'm probably trying to go pretty heavy wide receiver. I
1: still I'm just, feel, still feel I'm just, kind of weak there. Yeah, I'm just looking at the tight ends. It, it will be a, a while yet, but and Schultz, Sean, is probably a, an option there as we get closer to those later picks.
3: Yeah, he's the guy that that we like. Um, Zach Ertz, if he had made it to us at that turn, would have become interesting because he's going to end up you know, not being on the eagles and so would have given us some a different value there one of the things here and again we don't really have enough picks to say this with a lot of confidence but the two tight end approach does give better results in terms of win rate in terms of top two percent in terms of average score now we're just talking about not very many teams and so that's not to say that we should necessarily follow that we don't i don't think we have to be pushed into a pushed into a, a third tight end if we don't want. The interesting thing there too, if you designate that you have two QBs, then all of the tight end builds actually work really well. And so uh, we've got some different directions we can go. The average scores, if you stipulate just two QBs are basically identical. And so uh, the two QB you know, with the early tight end has been very, very effective. And so I like that element of our build. I think it will allow us to get around some of the things that are a little bit different in terms of having the week 14 by with a running back in round one, the second running back early, the multiple wide receivers stacked with that week 13 by even with all of that, the build works very nicely overall to create a team that should have a much better chance than average of winning. And it's going to be fairly unique.
2: I just realized we picked like every receiver
3: named Moore. It is the triple more team here you can't go wrong with those guys
2: there you go hey rotoviz radio listener this is curtis patrick from the dynasty command center podcast and i've got a special deal for you today go to rotoviz.com click the subscribe button put the 12 month subscription in your cart and use promo code rvradio radio 2021 that's rv radio 2021 and you're gonna save 10 percent
0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts.
2: Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I think it makes sense maybe that uh, a tight end to QB2 build would, would work or at least would give you more upside because it gives you more shots at those... Late breakouts. I break
1: use the more a lot, but
2: <laughs> it gives you more shots at those late breakouts at running back and tight end or at running back and wide receiver. So, um, yeah, if we decide we just want to stick with the two tight ends, I'm definitely good with that
3: as well. But, Blair, your, your jinx is only working in one direction. Cole Beasley has not come off the board yet. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I,
1: can't, I can't understand it.
3: Both Beasley, I think
1: it's the eight-year draft from that other team. That's the only explanation I can remind.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Beasley and Davis are still there. Jacoby Myers, week 14 by, uh, I think, a pretty strong favorite to be the wide receiver one for the Patriots. Sterling Shepard, as you mentioned, still there. Uh, Christian Kirk, is there any chance, Blair, that he has his breakout a year later than people were expecting, and in part because Moore and Green have taken both some of the attention and some of the pressure off of him?
2: Uh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I definitely still like Kirk. I'm not all that optimistic about Green's outlook in in Arizona, necessarily. But part of that probably is because I'm expecting big things from Rondale and not expecting Kirk to just go away, so um, I guess just with the with how many kind of receivers there are commanding targets, it might be a little tricky. But on the other hand, they don't have any tight end to speak of. They don't have a running back with a real strong track record of catching passes, and we you know they like to play fast. So I think you could definitely see them have three or four fantasy relevant receivers. I mean at his cost Kirk I think makes a lot of sense. What are your thoughts on Tariq Cohen coming off injury? I think the latest news I read was not that hopeful uh not that optimistic about his recovery necessarily, but if he's healthy in that
1: offense, you would expect he'd get some some targets. the the news of the injury there does seem to be i don't know i i think when there's concern around injury that's a pretty bad sign because i think most of the teams are going to talk up how much ahead of recovery and how well the player's doing and i think then that that's something that tends to worry me when we're talking about things being behind schedule or maybe not as good um i've always liked him as a as a player um But uh, the news, uh, the injury news is really concerning.
3: No, again, we're we're talking about not a huge number, but both logically and in terms of the results, the best results do come from a seven wide receiver, seven running back team at this point. I'm curious as to how much more excited about the running backs we might be here. We talked about trying to avoid the week 13 guys, but Hubbard, uh, I think is almost a no-brainer at this level if he gets back to us penny someone else who you know there's always injury concern with him but could be somebody who scores so many points that he would be a guy to take us across week 14 when jonathan taylor is out i think that i would lean toward making sure that we have options at running back considering that in the crucial week our first round pick will not be playing
1: yeah, no, that's definitely reasonable, um, and I, I would I would tend to agree with that. Um, you mentioned, Sean, earlier, um, Jacoby Myers and the Patriots. Um, what's your thoughts on him here at this point, even though he has that week 14 by, Obviously, our, we're kind of doing the opposite. Our, our running backs, we're going to try and avoid, uh, you know, cover that week 14, but we obviously need to, to cover that week 13 situation as well with the, the wide receivers. Or are we just going to pen our hopes on the running backs film? The-
3: yeah, I think that, that Mac Jones could come through and actually have a very strong second half of the season, and Myers does seem to be the guy there. Now, Nelson Aguilar was good enough in a situation last year with the Ra- Raiders where, I mean, there was opportunity, but he still had to go out there and seize that. I don't ever want to denigrate or discount a good season that someone had just because the opportunity was there there were other receivers on that team who had the opportunity and didn't you know didn't go grab it you know kind rugs as one of the the prime examples so you know there there could be some competition for that role but meyer seems like a guy who you know if he had scored some touchdowns in the last couple of seasons then uh, even just something little like that would have the fantasy community looking at him differently One of the other things I was looking at here, and Blair, I'd be interested in your take, both in terms of just this one season that we have of slim and then the longer time period we have for the classic, this QB stacked with the wide receiver one and the wide receiver two hasn't turned out very good results. Does that eliminate Marquez, Valdez, Gantling, and Alan Lazard from consideration?
2: For me, it doesn't. I would still consider them. I think, you know, I, only, I always have trouble figuring out exactly how to read the stacks and the results we've had in the past um, because it's just, you know, when you try and think about, okay, what actual individual players are making this up, you can see how there's a lot of ways for it to skew in different ways. So, um, you know, seeing seeing some maybe poor results wouldn't, sway me from taking guys that I like at a good value I think um, you know now in terms of MVS versus Lazard I don't know I think it sounds like MVS is probably has a little bit better chance to be the wide receiver too there um, but it's
1: hard to tell but I think he's yeah, I think
2: he's interesting
1: so I think um, we have Hubbard that has got back to this, Sean um, you mentioned him already I think I think he'd be my pick here at the, at this point, anyway.
3: Blair, where are you on Hubbard? Are you as high on his talent as we are? I think he could have a, a league-winning season if the very sad scenario were to play out with CMC again, or is he really just a very, very, very deep target?
2: No, I think he's a good target. Um, I I definitely like his talent, and I think that he probably would, would outperform what Mike Davis did last year, early in the year, if... CMC were to get hurt, so I'm on board.
1: So, um, we're probably uh, leaning, unless we change on, on Penny or Cohen, um, we're probably leaning then back towards wide receiver. My only thing, and I know I've mentioned this a few times, uh, that's Chubbard now with a week 13 by as well, so we, we're we starting to get into a situation where we have almost um, you know half of the team with a week 13 bye, so that would probably ruin me more off the two Packers wide receivers than, than the other options. Um, With 30 seconds to go on the clock. Does anyone make a pitch for who we should be taking here?
3: I don't have a wide receiver I like. And so I think that Penny, if we think he's got any shot of being the number two in Seattle, would be a pretty clear-cut choice. Blair, do you have a wide receiver you like here?
2: Uh, I don't. I like guys who are going later. Dayami Brown. Hamler, I think these guys will hang around. So I'm good with Penny.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with that because I think when we look at these last couple of rounds, I think we have a number of different wide receiver options that we will like. Um that's what I'm hoping anyway. And I think we probably um see the rest of the way pretty much with, with wide receiver. You mentioned uh, some of the later guys you might like, or you you say there is later guys. I know Sean's guy in this uh last couple of rounds is KJ Hamler. Um, so is there anybody that you're interested in, in getting aboard here on the team?
2: Yeah, well, I mentioned Diami Brown, Washington guy. He was, you know, maybe he'd be a little better if we had gone the Fitzgerald, Fitzpatrick route, um, but uh, <laughs> uh, let me think. Let's see who else. I mean, it sounds gross, but Kadarius Tony was a first-round pick. Um, I think probably sticking with that same offense, Darius Slayton will probably still have a role downfield. Um, it's a little, it's a little tough to parse how how he and Galladay will will play together. Plus, that offense just might not be very good. So there are some concerns for sure.
1: Yeah, for me with the Giants. There's just like so many wide receivers, it, it feels like. Um, the, the guys that I've been tending to draft there have been uh, Daniel Jones and uh, Saquon, where I've been able to get them. Um, do you have a strong take, Sean, on those wide receivers uh, in New York overall?
3: No, I think that for Tony, you needed to have reports that weren't basically flagrantly awful about how he came out and performed in the 1st offseason activities. And, I mean, you look at him, and that's exactly what you would expect, right? And his profile throws up a ton of red flags. Now, can he eventually be a Cordero Patterson, and is that a player that can help teams at the NFL level in 2021 or more likely when he was able to do it in 2022, 2023? Yeah, I mean, that's a a valuable role player, but he doesn't look like a first-round pick, and he doesn't look like someone who's necessarily going to make – an immediate impact especially in an offense that's not set up that way you know if you have an offense that's set up with an established elite passer you have an elite number one and then you have a hole to where you know defenses are going to be playing in a certain way the young player can really emerge that's one of the reasons why we really like rondell Moore, even though he hasn't gotten quite the same buzz as an elijah Moore. you know both of those guys are in a situation where at least rondell is in a situation where he's got the quarterback he's got the wide receiver one to take the attention. And then, I mean, he could really go crazy playing off of that. Tony's not quite in that same situation. Now with Rondell Moore, you could say, well, if AJ green actually does have a little bit of a bounce back and, you know, he would need to probably improve like four or five years worth of attitude in order (laughs) to do that. In addition to actually, you know, probably improving physically as well. But you know, if Christian Kirk, if one, or certainly if both of those guys emerge, then there are going to be some target volume problems for Rondell. But we can see a path to a big-time breakout season for him. They're different players. It's a different offense. You know, We're not saying that he's going to be this year as Justin Jefferson. But last season, so much of the focus with Adam Thielen was, okay, well, he's going to be this great play because the volume has to all go to him. They have nobody else. Forgetting that actually it sets up very nicely then for the rookie to emerge.
2: The other guy I think who's interesting in this range might be Denzel Mims. Um maybe it doesn't make as much sense with Elijah Moore on the team, but uh that looks like an offense that now has some pretty interesting weapons. Um, you know, maybe Zach Wilson is uh an upgrade from Sam Darnold and um no Adam Gase, so <laughs> you know, uh I can see You know, Mims wasn't great last year, but he was getting some getting some targets, getting some air yards, um, pretty much right when he was healthy and able to be on the field. So that's a little bit encouraging.
3: Now, have we talked about Blair? I know that, or at least I believe you have a little bit of interest in Amon Ross St. Brown as a potential volume play. Do you have a read for us on how this Detroit offense will play out? Uh, Column has Rashad Perryman in the queue. I guess I just have absolutely no clue of what Perryman will do. I thought that he was going to have a much better season last year because he'd had two consecutive years where he showed some real vertical ability appeared to finally be emerging as that kind of guy who, you know, maybe he just didn't get the right chances early in his career, and he's got that size-speed combination that's pretty unique, but then last year, there was absolutely nothing, and so, you know, we start to ask about Amon Ra. He does get drafted. Well, should he have been somebody we, we would have looked at, Blair?
2: Yeah, I think that I definitely would have been looking at Amon at Ra. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he didn't have exactly the profile we want to see coming out of college, but he did have some, some kind of interesting things about, about him. Um, you know, and then for Perriman, he just really doesn't fit the sort of late breakout mold that we have seen. Uh, I think Devonte Parker is like the only guy who's been drafted in the first round who's broken out in year five. I want to say you, you probably wrote that up in one of your, uh, wide receiver breakout articles um so for Perriman to go and and actually have a big season this late in his career after being such an early pick is kind of um probably not the most likely outcome but uh yeah it's a really tough offense to read and I mean I think the the issues with the or the kind of confusion with the wide receiver is all the more reason to get Hawkinson
1: when (laughs) when you can so I think the first pick here, Sean, I I don't think we can we can leave the draft without that the signature KJ Hamler pick, can we?
3: Yeah, looking at, it, I mean, it would be hard. It doesn't really fit that well, or it didn't work that well last year in the Slam. It's worked actually quite well in the classic, or it's worked very solidly in the classic, which obviously is a deeper format. I just think that his upside is so far and away above any of the rest of these players that, I mean, he, I think that he has to be the pick. The other guy that I, I was interested in, Byron Pringle as an option against De'Ami Brown, probably for the last pick.
2: Um, what's the case for Pringle?
3: Well, they like him, and everybody else is terrible. <laughs> I mean, we know that Demarcus Robinson is not is not an NFL player. We know that Nicole Hardman has really struggled and can't run routes. There seems to be this comfort level between Pringle and Patrick Mahomes, and maybe you have a little bit of a floor there. Brown is the guy, kind of as you mentioned, who has this vertical element to his game and would seem to fit very nicely with the Fitzmagic profile, and certainly with – McLaurin and Samuel drawing the attention, I mean, you could see him get behind the defense for some big plays.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm easy to which one you just want to go with. Um, let's make a call. I think I would go with with Brian, probably.
3: That's Blair's guy, so we should definitely
1: yeah. do that. <laughs> so we'll take that. Um, no, I agree with a chance about Pringle as well. Um, I just think uh, the part with Fitzmagic, for as much as I don't know if he'll be there when he's there it's going to put up fantasy points and uh i think anytime you can have somebody with the the kind of profile of, of Brian there as well could be very very interesting and that is going to do it for the draft we are all the way through we have a full team in the books and uh, our next episode is going to be myself sean and blair recapping maybe where it went wrong i know if you've listened along to all three episodes there was some parts where players went that we wanted to get they want a couple of picks early so we'll be talking through those we'll be talking about maybe some decisions uh, that we made at certain points that we may alter or maybe we're very happy with them we'll be talking through that on the next one off of these so that'll be coming on your podcast feed uh, over the next day or so don't miss out. You'll be able to find the whole series at Rotoviz Overtime on your podcast uh, platforms. If you listen to the show, pretty much available everywhere. And of course, it'll be up on the main feed as well. Drop us a written interview on your favorite podcast app, it is much appreciated. Of course, my name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And my co-host is Sean Siegel, who you can check out his great work up on Rotoviz.com. You can also check out Blair's fantastic work on Rotoviz.com, and you can follow him on Twitter as well at am i the real blair Do check him out over there give him a follow but until we're back with that recap and the final part of the series have a good one